Welcome to the Lifehouse Podcast. Our aim is that together we can love God, love others as we walk each step with Christ. We hope you find this message practical, encouraging and life-giving. Be blessed. Good morning, Murray Bridge. Hey, I'm a bit confused, really quite confused. I, I thought people in Murray Bridge were quite quiet. No, normally you put the loud ones at the back of the church. It's just fabulous to be here. Hey, why don't you give your pastors a round of applause. Um, Our church loves your pastors and um, our whole team connected. And Josh, you don't want to be like me when you grow up, I can tell you. Do you know, I used to be a weightlifter, a bodybuilder, had a very large chest and it slipped I actually feel like a camel with the hump on the wrong side. (laughs) Father, we want to thank you that your word is life to us. And just as the rain is falling on the roof and the rain comes to the earth and produces, so does your eternal word. This has many things, Lord, that are good about life, but it's not just a practical book about life. It is the divine word of God. And so, Father, I pray that you'd speak to our hearts and shape us and lead us and equip us for every good work that you've prepared for us in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to read uh, from Mark chapter 2. And uh, if you want a title for this message, it's The Impossible Possible. Mark 2, I'm going to read from Mark 2. Verse 1 to 12, going to read that whole passage and then I'm going to share a few thoughts. A few days later when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. Jesus was in the house and so many people gathered there was no room left, not even outside the door and he preached the word to them. Some men, some men. came bringing to him a paralytic carried by four of them. Since they could not get to him, to Jesus, because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus and after digging through it, lowered the mat the paralyzed man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now, some teachers of the law were sitting there and thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. So he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. He got up, took his mat, walked out in full view of them. This amazed everybody. They praised God saying, we've never seen anything like this. Man, I love the scriptures. I love the little detail. And we read it and we just flick over it. He gets up, walks out, and it says, they were amazed. 
Can you imagine? Can you imagine? This guy's paralyzed, and all of a sudden he gets up, takes up his mat, and says, See you later. <laughs> bye bye. <laughs> it sort of doesn't do it, does it? They were amazed. They were freaked out. It was incredible. What the Lord did in that moment was unbelievable. But we are going to look at not so much what the Lord did, but what happened in this process. See, it says in verse 3 that some men, bringing to him a paralytic, carried by four of them. It was impossible, impossible for the paralytic to get to Jesus. Impossible. But these four men made what was impossible, possible. Every time you and I step into somebody's life who is stuck, who's paralyzed, and we selflessly bring them into the presence of Jesus, we begin to see impossible things become possible. I've heard about your church for years. For years and years and years. I heard about this thing that's going on in Murray Bridge. You are sitting in an impossible possible. And you are about to see an impossible possible in Cambodia. <laughs> From where? From where? From where? From where? What was impossible for him alone became possible by four unnamed men. Four unnamed men working together who gives a rip if we're famous what we care about is those around us who are stuck in life we want to get them to where Jesus is one thing I do know about and I come from South Australia actually the irony the, the strange strange thing is Pastor Danny Guklamucci has been quite significant here. I was a professional musician. I was a drug addict, alcoholic. I did all the big tours, all the big shows that occurred here in South Australia, did the whole lot. I did the Midnight Oil Tour, that's probably, you've probably not heard of them. Um, <laughs> older people probably have heard of Stevie Wonder and people like that. I've worked with those. But on the inside, my life was a mess. And I got powerfully and amazingly born again. And the first person who discipled me was Danny Kuklamuchi. <laughs> Isn't it strange? All these connections. God never does stuff through an individual. He does it through a community. He said, I will build my he never says, I will build your ministry. 
He says, I will build your church. None of us as good as all of us. Here are four unnamed men. You know what's really interesting? At no point in this story is there any mention of the nature of the relationship that these men have to the paralytic. And at no point in this passage does it actually mention the reputation of these four men. Now that might not seem like much to you, but I tell you, when I read the scriptures, to me, that shocked me because just about every miracle Jesus does, it always names the connections of the relationships and the standing of the person. Let me just give you a few. For instance, it talks about the official and the official's son. It talks about the centurion and the centurion's servant in Matthew 8. It talks about Jairus, the ruler of the synagogue, and his daughter. It talks about the nobleman and his son in John 4. It talks about the high priest and his servant Luke in Luke 22.50. I could go on. But here we have no knowledge. Who were these unnamed men? And what was their standing? It doesn't say. It doesn't say they were rulers. It doesn't say they were significant. It doesn't say anything about them. But it is these unnamed men without any understanding of who they're connected to. Unnamed men who are somehow moved by the grace of God and where the grace of God is and faith is active, the impossible becomes possible. One of the markers of a really healthy culture is the willingness to help the stranger. Did you know that the number one qualifier for an elder and leader in the church in the New Testament is not good doctrine, is not prayer? It lists it. Go, check it out. It says, must be hospitable. Do you know what hospitality means? Love of the stranger. How did Jesus die on the cross? Like this? Or like this? I really like you. <laughs> if I like you, hello, how are you? <laughs> Right? Jesus doesn't go around that like that. Jesus does this. I really like you. <laughs> Open up our arms. Do you know, I do have a connection to Murray Bridge. I just realised while I was talking, I didn't think about it. My great uncle, um, he died when he was 103. His name was um, Roy Bateman. And Roy Bateman had a milk boat here in Murray Bridge. And he used to deliver milk on the boat up and down the Murray until he got sick of cows and milk. <laughs> so he sailed it out the end of the Murray mouth when you could get out the mouth. It's a long time ago. And sailed it down to a place called Carpenter's Rocks and turned it into a crayfishing boat. There are a whole lot of stuff that happens in life that has knock-on effects. Here are four people, and one of the markers of a healthy community is hospitality and the willingness to help the stranger and to help people who are stuck. And regardless of our relationship to the stranger or our position in life, you and I will see amazing things happen in our life if we allow ourselves to be disrupted. 
most of the great things that will ever happen in your life are not because of who you know, except you know him, or your status, or your qualifications, or whatever. Some of the greatest things that will ever happen to you will be because your heart has been touched by grace and that moves your hand and you've got no idea why your hand's moving. My wife and I were driving from, because our family is still here, we've been in Sydney longer than we ever lived in Adelaide, so over 35 years. When we were um, uh, uh, just early married, we were driving back to see our families. My wife's family comes from a little place called Boobarawi, Boob for short. Um, and we were driving, um, and this time we decided to take the scenic route through Melbourne and up the coast that way. And we were in the middle of nowhere and we're driving. You know, in the country you drive past a lot of little churches? We went past this church. I looked at the church and I had a thought in my mind, wow, someone, some time ago made a great sacrifice for that little church to be built and that was the thought I had no other thoughts I wasn't trying to be deeply spiritual but I was overwhelmed by the sense of a community was once there as we drove on I felt the Holy Spirit say turn the car around and go back now you know what it's like when you're on a long car trip you want to get somewhere yeah so I drove past and I stopped and pulled off and my wife said, what are you doing? I said, I want to go back to that church. She said, what? We've got to get, there's nothing there. It's an old, you've seen hundreds of them. I said, no, no, I just want to go back. Okay, so we turn back. We get back to the church, step out of the car. She said, what are you doing now? I said, I just want to read the stone where it says, you know, it's got the things about the people. And then I had this overwhelming feeling that I should walk around the building. Not, not, I didn't, it was just, so? She said, what are you doing now? I said, I just want to go for a walk. <laughs> I walked around the building, in the middle of nowhere, this building, I walk around the building and there's this young guy, unconscious, on the ground. So, pulling together, he'd overdosed, having come from that background I knew what to do, sorted it out, put him in our car, drove him back to the other town that he needed to go to, organised somebody to look after him and left some money there and just told them when he comes to let him know that a strange person was overwhelmed by the sense of God at that church and let him know that Jesus loves him. Now that is a cliche, yeah? But when something weird happens, a cliche will work. A cliche will never work unless something weird happens. Don't use cliches like bricks in space. Do you know, that happened and to him I'm unnamed. He'll never know me and I don't care. But what I do care is about what the Lord was doing there 
you will have a whole lot of miracles that happen. This church is a miracle. My Lord, look how big this church is. Get out of here. No, don't get out of here. Stay here. (laughs) Something is happening here. You can feel it. You can sense it. You're just getting ready. This is just a warm-up. Come on. Who said come on? Come on. (laughs) They were surrounded by others. You are surrounded by others. They may not be physically paralysed, but they still can't move. They can't move because they can't change their life or their situation. They can't go back to what they once were. And they can't move forward to something new. They're stuck. They're stuck physically. They're stuck emotionally. They're stuck relationally. They're stuck economically. They're stuck spiritually. Some people are stuck because of regret. Some people are stuck because of fear. Some people are stuck because of loneliness. They didn't mean to get stuck. They don't even know how they got stuck. All they know is they're jolly well stuck. I did not set out as a kid to become a drug addict. It wasn't my intention. It wasn't my intention to break my mother's heart. But when I got stuck, I didn't know how to get unstuck. Until somebody came to me, the paralysed Richard who looked like I was free on the outside because of external success, but I was stuck until somebody unnamed to me saw me and knew somehow that I was stuck and they began to pray for me and gathered a few else to pray for me and then started to annoy me. Because you know when you get stuck, you feel so bad about yourself. You don't want people saying nice things about you because it's too nice. But they persevered and persevered. And I got born again. There are a stack of people in your world and you might think, who am I? I don't have a name. I'm not a social media influencer. Praise the Lord. My lips are normal. I may not have done this. I may not have done that. Who cares? He doesn't. And the person who's stuck doesn't. All they want is somebody to help them get into the presence of Christ. And the impossible becomes possible. If you're paralysed, you can't move, yeah? So who's going to move the unmoved or those that can't move? Those who are free and mobile. Guess who's free and mobile? You are. If you know Jesus, you're free and you're mobile. And so we enter people's worlds. And we don't enter that world by ourselves This man was carried by four. Can you imagine one person trying to carry a paralytic on a gurney, on a stretcher? Or can you imagine three people? You've got one at the front, one at the back, and one at the left. Boom, 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 boom. Right? 
Can you imagine you've got one really tall bloke, he's like six foot seven, and then one who's four foot eleven? It doesn't work if we're uneven in our pull. It requires all of us, these unnamed. When you bring somebody together into the presence where you are gathered together, do you know we do this in church all the time? We think if we run a special super duper event, somehow that's more special than just a normal run of the mill Sunday. Did you know the facts? These are the facts. 97% of people get born again in an ordinary garden variety Sunday service. More than any crusade, more than any seeker-sensitive event, more than anything. Just a normal, run-of-the-mill, garden variety church service. You know why? It's real simple. Jesus is present and people are present. It's not rocket science. Do what you do and add one or two. Do what you do and add one or two. If you like catching carp, knock yourself out. Take a whole lot of people catching carp and add one or two. Bring people. Wherever you are with two or three people who love Jesus, boom. Every time a visitor comes into this church, every single one of us should be ready. When I turned up last night, I, Josh brought me around when, and all the young people were getting ready. It was awesome. They're all friendly. There's all this stuff happening. It was chaotic. There's car tyres and funny round things that they do things in. and I don't know what they were, but you know. But everybody's there. And you know, I sense the presence of the Lord. Where grace is present and faith is active, the impossible becomes possible. It's not rocket science. There is something, you know, deep within all of us that is calling us to pitch in and help. There's something deep within us that orientates us to ensure that everybody has a fair go. And there's something deep within each one of you and I which is calling us to be selfless, courageous, faith-filled risk-takers for the sake of others. There's something deep within you here in Murray Bridge that is calling something deep within you to do it together to do it as a team not for your sake but for the sake of those who are stuck in life around you the impossible becomes possible through the four do you know um Those four people, do you think they under, do you, well, let me put it a different way. I don't think they understood what they were taking their paralyzed person to. I don't think they had any idea. They only knew a couple things. And this is what you and I need to know. If we bring people to where Jesus is, so we need to know that Jesus is there, yeah? And what else do we need? We need to know that there's people there. That's it. That's it. If Jesus is there and people who love Jesus are there, take people there. In your Bible studies, your connect groups, your, when you get together, something profound happens. But you know, sometimes we do this. We don't want to bring people to the run-of-mill ordinary events. 
We don't want to bring them to church because they might be put off by Auntie Betty who will jump up in the middle of the service and give a strange prophetic word. Or somebody who does... I have brought people to church services and I'm thinking, oh Lord, please Jesus, don't let that person be and this one... Now, that might only be me. It may not be you. But we've got to get over that. They had no idea. See, those four unnamed men, they weren't bringing the paralysed man to a social event. They weren't bringing the man to a course. They weren't bringing the man to an event. They weren't bringing a man to a jumping castle. They weren't bringing a man to loud music or funky lights. Now, all of that is okay. They were bringing that man to where Jesus was. And we need churches where Jesus is lifted up. Josh said it. If we lift Jesus up, he'll draw all men to him. We need a sense of confidence that it's not our sophistication and our cleverness, but it's Jesus' presence. Now, I don't know if you still do this. So, Are you still doing that thing on the river at Menham, the outdoor church thing? That is weird. I want to go. That is awesome. I want to say to you, go nuts. Gather and draw. Take some risks. And you are already. They knew that people would be there. That's all they knew. And they knew that Jesus would be present. It didn't matter to the four that Jesus was in a temple. It didn't matter that he was, wasn't in a palace. It didn't matter that it was a special crafted event with food it didn't matter what format style it was it didn't matter what time it didn't matter whether it was convenient or not it didn't matter whether it was a few people or hundreds of people it just didn't matter what mattered was that Jesus was there and every time we gather intentionally to be with Jesus we create the context the context we don't create the miracle but we create the context for Christ to do something profound. Do you know, people will say things, I don't know if they say it here in Murray Bridge, but they certainly say it in places like Sydney and around the country. They say, oh, you know, it's really hard getting people to church these days. You know, the NCLS, which surveys all churches, says, you know, a regular committed attender is once a month. What? That's what they say. The world is trying to convince you and I that gathering is not so important. I tell you what, can you imagine turning up to your AFL team and say, oh, I only train once a month and expecting to get a game? I don't think so. Can you imagine a farmer where his neighbours are suffering and there's drought and a drought is on at the moment? The green that we see is not really green. You get that. Can you imagine there's a fire in his house or something and his neighbour says, oh, I'm not bothered today. I, I've got to play you know, darts down the pub. That is not going to happen, is it? Because in our hearts, there's a sense that actually we want to do stuff. We want to be connected. We want to be part of a community. We want to do something. And more than ever in this world today, when everybody thinks they're connected through Facebook and Instagram and all that stuff, they know they're not connected. People are craving 
for connection and community. And it's in that context that these great, powerful things happen. You care about your community. You're not primarily worried about yourself. You're not primarily worried about your rights, your space, your possessions. You're concerned about your mates, those that are alongside of you. And you know, one thing I know about, particularly about us Australians, and Australians come from all around the world, the only people that were here before everybody else was our Indigenous brothers and sisters. We are all strangers. I mean, look at the person next to you, they're strange. <laughs> we are all strangers. We're all from somewhere else. But something, because we're from somewhere else, I, we, we always go for the underdog, yeah? And if there was ever an underdog in this passage, it's a paralysed guy. We go for the underdog, it's in us. It's part of who we are. And we could care less about how things are done, whether the job's right. You think about these guys. My goodness, can you imagine we're in the meeting right now and there's tap, tap, tap. That speaker's fallen down, boom. Pastor Josh is just going, oh, this is lovely. I don't think so. You'd be screaming at them, yeah? Keep in mind the kind of construction they had then. It was mud and mud with straw. Man, alive, the place is packed. You've got all this stuff falling on you. You're going, oh, that's lovely. Just bring him down. You're going to be screaming at him. The OH&S workers, work, health and safety people, where's your strapping on? You know, union, brakes. They could care two hoots. They are getting, they are desperate. They're going to get their friend. Well, they don't, we don't even know if there was his friend. We're going to get this person into the presence of God. We're going to have a flipping church service in the outback, in the, on the side of the River Murray at Manham. Man, if, can anything good come out of Murray Bridge? Well, we must double that for Manham. But anyway. Do you know what I mean? And here they are pushing in. We don't get the sense of it. The place was packed. I tell you, if I was sitting there, I know what I'd be feeling. I'd be ticked particularly if I was the owner of the house. I would be furious. So, okay, they're trying to dig. They're trying to get their friend or their, this person to the presence of Christ. How easy do you reckon that was? How easy? How much criticism? How much shouting? How much potential obstacles? I tell you... If we're going to move and bring the paralyzed into the presence of Christ, we've got to have some oomph. We've got to have some fortitude. We have to take a few risks. Christianity is not safe. The face of Christianity is a bloody cross. You know the two Australian doctors who rescued those boys that were stuck in the cave in Thailand? Do you know what they did? I was staggered when I heard what they did. They, no one knew how to get those boys out. One of those doctors is not even a doctor, he's a vet. <laughs> and they didn't know, no one knew how to do it. And what they did has never been done. 
they had to work out, they knew that the kids would just lose it, so they had to work out how to anaesthetise the kids with enough anaesthetic so that at the precise moment they would be knocked out, put a mask on, put them under the water, and as soon as they came out of the water, they come to. And you know, everybody else said it couldn't be done. Why did they take the risk? Because they wanted to be famous? Uh-uh. Because they knew that those kids were stuck. And unless there was a miracle, they were going to die. I saw them. They were the Australians of the year. And they are such humble, ordinary guys. You don't even know their names, do you? Who knows their names? Do you think they care? I saw them interviewed. They could care. Two hoots. They cared about those kids. We care about those around us. That's why you're here today. Because you care. And a miracle is going to be, it's got to come through your hands. Of course it's the grace of God and the power, but how on earth is it going to come? It's not logical. Now I want you to see this one passage. The one passage that will do your head in. Now I'm well trained theologically. And it does my head in. It's not theologically correct, but it's in the Bible. Look at verse 5. Having pushed through, got him down, Jesus, it says, seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed, your sins are forgiven. What? Not his faith. Seeing their faith. Seeing their faith, he said to him. Seeing their faith. There are people in your world that have no faith for themselves. You have to believe for them. You have to move the mountain for them. Not them. Sometimes people don't get healed because there's no one believing for them. When people are sick and depressed, don't say to them, you need more faith. You get more faith for them. You make some sacrifices. Oh, we've got all these poor people. Well, put your hand in your friggin' pocket and give some money. Sorry. <laughs> like everybody talks about changing the world, but no one wants to take the risk to have a crack at it. Be the unnamed four who could give a rip about whether they had reputation. And take a few jolly risks. Rip a few roofs off buildings. Take a stab. Go to Cambodia and start a school. Dream for what might happen in Murray Bridge. Adelaide's coming. It's going to advance over the hill, isn't it? You're so ready and positioned. But you know... I want to ask you this question. Who are you in the story? I suspect some of you feel like you are the paralyzed. Some of you may well be wanting to disqualify yourself 
because you feel like you're unnamed too. Some of you might feel like, I don't know enough, I don't have enough. When I have enough qualifications, when I have enough money, when I'm young, old enough, when I'm married enough, when I have a house enough, you're waiting for that name. But who are you? And do you know the problem with that? We live in a world of comparison. So we're always looking not at what's in our hand, we're looking at what's in other people's hands and comparing what we have in our hands to what they have in our hands. And every time we compare ourselves, we become the paralysed. Now, I want to make this practical. Because the reality is, there are times that you and I just feel like we don't have a lot to offer. And I want to show you, and I'm going to finish on two scriptures. And so we're going to turn to Matthew 28 and verse 16. It says in this passage... It says, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. These were the eleven. Judas is gone. These are the eleven that saw all the miracles, spent three years with Jesus, freaked out when he was going to be crucified, denied him, run away, hid, then saw him resurrected, then had fish for breakfast with him, put their fingers in the flesh of his holes, saw everything. And what does it say? Some worshipped and some doubted. Okay. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11. Beautiful. I come. You're waiting. I'm the Lord. I hope not. You worship. Awesome. You're with me. You worship. Awesome. You doubt. Get out of here. (laughs) Doubt. Get out of here. I'll come back. (laughs) Worship. Awesome. You're definitely worshipping. Doubting. If I were God, I would not hand over that ministry to people who'd seen me, heard me, seen the miracles, seen me die on the cross, seen me resurrected. I would say, you... But he doesn't. He said, look what it then says. He says, all authority has been given to me. And I say to you, even you who doubt, even who, who you think you haven't got your act together, you who think you're not perfect enough, you who feel unnamed, you who... Ah! <laughs> and you, and you, I say to all of you, in spite of your frailty, in spite that you don't think you've got spiritual gifts that you can use, in spite of all that, I say to you, go! Because Jesus knew something.
that they didn't know. He knew that Pentecost was coming. He knew that flesh cannot give birth to the Spirit. And so it says in Acts 1.8, When the Spirit comes on you, you'll receive power to be my... Go into all the nation and... You'll receive power to do what? To be his witness. You have been given gifts. You have been filled with the Spirit. You have received the power from heaven. Don't you dare say, I don't know enough. Don't you dare say, your name is not good enough. Don't you dare say any of that. You're a son of Jesus Christ. If you're born again, you, are, you came Spirit ready. Not flesh dependent. You are the unnamed. You don't need a name. You don't need a high standing. You've got a saviour called Jesus. And he's poured out the Holy Spirit upon you. You've got gifts to use. Murray Bridge and South Australia need you. Not because they need you, they need what you have in you. And that is Jesus by the power of the Spirit. I want you to stand to your feet right now. I want you to lift your hands heavenward. I want you to lift your hands to the Lord of Lords and King of Kings. I want you to pray for a baptism of the Holy Spirit that you would, rele- you would receive that baptism, that you would receive a total covering with the Spirit of the living God. For some of you who already have the ability to speak in heavenly languages, begin to do that now. Do not hold back. Open your mouth. Allow the Holy Spirit to get to you. When the Spirit came on them in Pentecost, what did people say? They say they're drunk. They said they're drunk. What do drunk people do? Drunk people do not fear speaking and they don't fear death. You ever seen a drunk person? They just ramble on. You ever seen a drunk person? They could care two hoots. They'll walk across the main road with trucks coming and try to stop the trucks. Why do you think they thought they were drunk? Because they were behaving like that. Because these people who once feared the consequences of sticking up for Jesus now were as bold as lions. And in their bellies was a fire. The Lord wants to put a fire in your belly that you will say, I could care two hoots whether I'm named or unnamed. I could care two hoots whether I've been to Bible college or not. I could care two hoots. I have Jesus in me and I have the Holy Spirit with me. And I'm going to bring people who can't move into the presence of Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit, would you fill people from the front to the back, from the left to the right with the presence of the Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit, come Holy Spirit. Close your eyes. That way you block out distractions. Open your hands as a sign of surrender. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. There's going to be another service today and there's going to be more time, less preaching more praying more prophetic words I'm going to pray for people to get filled and released the Lord's at work in you darling He's doing a great healing work you're going to travel you're going to travel all around the place you know that already 
not quite sure how it will happen, but it's going to happen. But it's not going to happen because you're smart enough or because somebody... It's going to happen because Jesus is with you. The Holy Spirit's with you. Holy Spirit, come, come, come. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I just want you to put your hands down for a second. Um, the things of the Holy Spirit, some people say, I'm open to the Holy Spirit. Nowhere in the Bible does it say be open. It says seek. Seek. Just close your eyes for a second. I only want to pray for those who really want to seek. Because I can't make you seek. The Holy Spirit will put the desire in you. If you are seeking more of the Holy Spirit, would you stick your hand up really high? The Bible says... How much more will my Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Lord, I'm praying for this great church, and it is a great church, that every person who has their hand extended high, seeking you, reaching out to you, Lord, in this period, if it's not today, if it's not next week, it will certainly be within a very short period. There'll be an outpouring of the Holy Spirit that would enable them to do see the impossible become possible. The impossible possible. The impossible possible because the Holy Spirit is with them. Fill them, use them, I pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen, amen. Thank you for joining us this week. If you wish to connect with us, please send an email to info at life.house or come and see us at 170 Adelaide Road, Murray Bridge. And remember, the door is always open for you at Lifehouse. God's house, our home.